translation. Thereafter, exactly when Vasudev, being inspired by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, was about to take the newborn child from the delivery room, Yogamaya, the Lord's spiritual energy, took birth as the daughter of the wife of Nanda Maharaj. So please repeat. Thereafter, exactly when Vasudev, being inspired by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, was about to take the newborn child from the delivery room, Yogamaya, the Lord's spiritual energy, took birth as the daughter of the wife of Maharaj Nanda. Report by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur discusses that Krishna appeared simultaneously as the son of Devaki and as the son of Jashoda, along with the spiritual energy Yogamaya. As the son of Devaki, he first appeared as Vishnu, and because Vasudev was not in the position of pure affection for Krishna, Vasudev worshipped his son as Lord Vishnu. Yashoda, however, pleased her son without understanding his godhood. This is the difference between Krishna as the son of Yashoda and as the son of Devaki. This is explained by Vishwanath Chakravarti on the authority of Hari Vamsa. Once again, the verse, Thereafter, exactly when Vasudev, being inspired by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, was about to take the newborn child from the delivery room, Yogamaya, the Lord's spiritual energy, took birth as the daughter of the wife of Maharaj Nanda. Om Ajnana Timurindas Yaganjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jaina Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Shtapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupakata Mayam Dadanti Swapadantikam Banchakalpatarubyas Chakripas and Rupibacha Patitanam Pavanibyo Vaishnavibyo Namo Namaha So <coughs> excuse me. This is such a wonderful verse. This whole chapter is really exciting. Krishna is appearing. Uh, um, and we can see how Krishna's uh, energies are working so perfect to, perfectly together. Because exactly at the time uh, when Vasudeva was ready to take his newborn son uh, and go across the Jamuna River, exactly at that time Yogamaya appeared as uh, uh, the son of uh, Mother Jashoda. You see, the, the the child of Mother Jashoda. Mother Jashoda at this time, she was so weak from giving childbirth that she was easily overcome by Yogamaya. Yogamaya weaves this spell uh, to confuse us sometimes. It's just like some when uh, when Krishna was eating dirt as a child. Uh, Mother Yashoda said, uh, "Krishna, come here, stop eating dirt." You know, sometimes children do that. They like to eat. Or sometimes it's it's maybe it's not just dirt they want to eat or whatever they just want to get on their mother's nerves, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so mother just showed us, "Come here, Krishna," and she's taking the dirt out of his mouth. You know, are you eating dirt? No, Mama. Come here. And so she's taking the dirt out of his mouth, and uh, and then she looked in his mouth to see if she got everything, and she saw the entire cosmic manifestation 
And uh, she starts to wonder, what is this? What, how can this possibly be in my son's mouth? My child, I see the entire cosmos in my child's mouth. You see, and then Krishna, he blows his yoga maya into her face and confuses her, you see. So she doesn't dwell on this subject that, wow, this is, uh, this is very unusual. My, my son... Oh, is it hard? Is is it not coming through very good? Yeah. How's that? Is that better? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So Mother Jashoda was uh, she was confused when she looked in her son's mouth and she saw the cosmic manifestation. So uh, Krishna uses his yoga maya to kind of confuse a little bit. You know, so enough to where people get distracted from um, him being the supreme personality of Godhead. You see, so sometimes people say, "Well, <clears throat> uh, when I'm talking about these things, they say, well, why would why would God try to hide that? You know, and why did you know Mother Jashoda? She looks in his mouth, and so he's he's the supreme personality of Godhead. I mean, he's God. So what's wrong with her seeing?" the entire cosmos in, inside his mouth, you see. Well, it's clearly described here that that was not the relationship that Mother Yashoda had with Krishna, you see. In Gokul, Krishna, uh, I was talking with Jaidwaita Maharaj one time, I like the statement he makes. In, in Gokul, uh, Krishna, he doesn't get any respect, you see. In, in the topmost of, our, of liberation, if you're liberated <clears throat> into pure Krishna prem, you see, and you're worshiping Krishna in Gokul, if you're associating with Krishna in Gokul, to the inhabitants of Gokul, the, the question of God doesn't come up, you see. He doesn't have, as Prabhupada says here, Godhood. He's not worshiped as God. He's not thought of as God. He's just Krishna. He's just the most wonderful Krishna, the center of everyone's love, you see, and the, 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 uh, the center of everyone's attention. He's, uh, he's just everything to him, uh, to the inhabitants there. They don't see him in awe and reverence. There's no room for awe and reverence in, the, in Gokul. So <clears throat> when people are... Oh, sometimes hearing this, they become a little confused because they think, well, I don't know about this uh, this thing about awe and reverence, you know, not applying to God in the ultimate liberation. Why, I've always thought of God with awe and reverence. I don't see why that it would be actually better for me to not uh, worship him in awe and reverence, you see. Because uh, that's what I've always done, as far as, as as far as I can remember. I've always worshipped him in awe and reverence, you see. Well, we can say well, we're trying to give you something that's, that's higher. It's a higher relationship. Love, the, the loving exchange is uh, tainted somewhat from awe and reverence, you see. If... Uh, if a, a husband or a wife, either one has awe and reverence from, for the other one, uh, then the relationship, the depths of the relationship are limited. There's only so far you can go with a relationship like that, you see. Uh, so sometimes 
it's uh, uh, it's necessary to try to explain this to people because they don't quite understand that. They don't. They think well. And and, and another thing, uh, some of us feel somewhat um, uh, our. Um, let's. I'm trying to think of a graceful word. The fact that we're fallen. Let's use that. Sometimes echoes so much in our in our psyche that it's easier for us to approach God in awe and reverence. You see, I'm thinking. Well, you know, before I came to Krishna consciousness and so many human births before this one, there's no telling what type of sinful activity I performed. I can't even measure the depths of the sinful activities that I've performed. So I'm approaching Krishna. Uh, in awe and reverence because I just feel like I'm, I'm uh, not worthy. I'm fallen. I'm so fallen, you see. And in the beginning, that's very wonderful. It's very nice for us to have this realization that I'm fallen. It's, uh, it's better than people who say, well, I'm not fallen. I don't really need anything like this. You know, I sit and chant Om and I, I think of the inner me and... Uh, uh, and I'm doing just fine. I don't need anything else, you see. Uh, I'm not fallen. I'm, I've, you know, sometimes people think they're spiritually perfect, you know. Uh, sometimes uh, as we travel about, <clears throat> you know, in the yoga studios, as I said before, you meet just all kinds of people, uh, the New Age people. And there's a common thing in the New Agers. Uh, and I think it's, it, whenever these the new things get around, they, they, they have an infectious uh, ability to affect people's consciousness even outside those spheres. Uh, so many people think, oh, I have God. You know, they think, you know, I've, I've, been, to, I've been to yoga for a whole year. I've taken yoga classes. I could even say yoga. I can say om. You know, and I can sit and twist myself around and, and I can do all these things. So, uh, yes, I already have God. You know, well, how did you fall? I just went out there and got him. You know, God was sitting at home one day and here I am. Yes, who's there? Oh, it's me, God. I've been looking for you. Come on out here. Let's talk. You see, they're very casual like that. So they're not looking at God with awe and reverence. They're looking at God as kind of like, you know, I can, yeah, I talk to him all the time. Anyone can talk to God. Anyone can talk to God. But to have a relationship with, with God is something else entirely. To have a, uh, a loving relationship with God is something else again entirely. Uh, to have uh, Krishna Prem is again something else totally and you know, entirely different. So some people have, uh, they, they've taken the process and they've made it very cheap, very cheap. All I have to do is snap my fingers, you know. And we look at them, you know, of course, with intelligence, when someone makes a, a statement, you know, if someone says, um, I'm a very successful businessman, and you look at him and he's, wearing a real dirty T-shirt, and he's carrying a sign that says, we'll work for food. You, know, you think, well, wait a minute. You know. Or, you know, he's driving an old broken-down car. So we, you, you can tell 
about people, you know. Well, I have an MBA. Oh, well, how's that working for you? You know, <laughs> you don't seem to be reaping any benefits from it. So when people say, well, I know God, I talk to God all the time, I say, all right, she whiz. Where are you spiritually, you know? I mean, if you're that close to him, then please accept my humble obeisances and put in some good words for me, you know? So we could look into their spiritual lives, uh, and we can see. We can see where they are. It's easy to see. How can we see? What's our barometer? Uh, what, how do we measure? We measure by how much they're loving God. How much they're loving him. Now, how do we measure how much they're loving him? How much are they serving him? And we can measure the degree of their servitude. Are they just doing service or are they becoming attracted to, to doing service? Are they becoming attracted to doing service or are they totally attached? You see, this is the mark of love. When someone is so attached to serving someone else that they can't, uh, they can't think of not doing it. In other words, if I didn't do my seva to Krishna, my life would, be, would have a void. You see, there would be a vacuum in my life. To think that, well, today I'm not going to do this service for Krishna. I'm just going to go, uh, I'm going to take a, a, a day off. No Krishna today. No thoughts of Krishna, do, no doing Krishna seva. You know, just my time, you see. When you love somebody, you can't take a day off from loving them. Is it? You know, can you take a day off from loving your husband or your wife? You know, today I'm just not going to, they don't exist today. That's not, you see. So we can see the love that people have for Krishna. It can't be hidden. Therefore, when I have people that are telling me, Oh, yeah, you know, I talk to God all the time. I say, well, gosh, you know, what are you asking him for? Daily bread? I mean, that's, that, that's like going up to Bill Gates and asking him for a nickel. Hey, buddy, can you spare a nickel to ask God for daily bread? It's like Prabhupada said, daily bread is there. Daily bread is supplied by all living entities, the birds, the squirrels, the rabbits. We don't have to ask God for daily bread. We don't have to say, hey, good morning, Krishna. Hey, uh, you know, it's getting close to 9 o'clock. I hope you got a meal ready. You know, the old stomach's starting to growl a little bit. It's time for me to be fed. And, uh, you know, for lunch today, I thought I'd like something a little light. But let's go Italian for dinner. All right, now off you go. See, I'm talking to God. I talk to God all the time, been talking to him for all my life. I tell him exactly what I want. I give him his marching orders every day, and off he goes. I'm asking for this, I'm asking for that. If you're asking for the right things, Krishna will fulfill all desires. If you're asking for the right things, then we can tell. Okay, now, not only are you talking at God, you can advance to where you're talking with God. To talk with God, you have to listen to the other side. To have a loving conversation, I say, you say. Not me just talk to you. And I'm giving you your, your list. Okay? 
you know, light lunch, Italian this evening. Now off you go. And while you're doing all that, stay close because I might want something else. You see. When are we going to turn to Krishna and say, uh, my dear Lord, what do you want? I want you to tell me. I want you to show me what you want. You know, I want to share this relationship with you. I want to serve you. I want to do what you want. In other words, my dear Lord, I wonder, what do you want for lunch? I wonder what you would like for dinner. You see? I'm not so concerned. I'll take the remnants of whatever uh, you have. I just want to serve you. I want to see that you're properly fed. You see? Now, some people say, well, this is kind of silly. (laughs) It's just downright silly to talk to God like that. You want to see that God is properly fed? Heck, the rest of us, are we're begging for our daily bread. We want to see that we're properly fed. You see? But when you have the type of uh, uh, relationship with God that Mother Jashoda has, she didn't see her son as God. You see? Krishna enjoyed, Prabhupada says in his purport here, Krishna enjoyed this relationship uh, with, with Devaki. I mean, with uh, Mother Jashoda. Now, Mother Devaki, she saw Krishna as uh, forearmed Vishnu. She and Vasudev. Uh, Prabhupada says in the pur- purport, this is very interesting. As the son of, uh, he first appeared as Vishnu and because Vasudev was not in the position of pure affection for Krishna, Vasudev worshipped his son as Lord Vishnu. This is very telling, this sentence here. You see, there's worship, and then there's higher worship, and then there's higher worship, and then there's the highest worship. The highest worship is not the worship God is God. Sounds a little crazy, but Srila Prabhupada is pointing out here <clears throat> that this worship uh, that Mother Jashoda was showing for Krishna, which has nothing, nothing to do with his godhood, that as Prabhupada uses that term godhood. Uh, I've never heard of that, but have you ever heard that term godhood? Huh? I think that's another Prabhupada. That's, yeah, Prabhupada's, they call it. Yeah. I think it's it's beautiful, <laughs> but Mother Devaki, I mean uh, Mother Jashoda, didn't see this godhood. Mother Devaki did. You see, he appeared as his as this forearm Vishnu. So Vasudev did not have the affection for Krishna that Mother Jashoda did, and Nanda Maharaj, and the residents of uh, Gokul. The residents in Vrindavan, you see, they didn't see Krishna as God. When Krishna was fighting with the demons, they were uh, they were worried. They were concerned. Oh my God! It's just like their hearts were about to burst. They see this the, their darling son fighting with these demons one after the other, and it's like oh, they didn't get into the attitude like oh boy, this demon is going to be crushed. You know, they don't know. The demon doesn't know he's messing with God. You see, 
They weren't like that. They were, they, they were concerned. They were worried. Their hearts were hurting. You know, my son, oh, when Kalia bit Krishna in the side, the gopis are fainting. I mean, this was like, you know, they felt like their hearts were about to burst, you see. This is a loving exchange. When someone feels that way about you, uh, you feel very loved. Krishna likes to feel loved, you see. He doesn't like, he doesn't like to feel like uh, he is your order supplier, you know. Take off now. Go get my daily bread. By the way, the lawn is looking kind of scrubby. Could you cut the grass too, you know? You know, if we're if we're sending him out for our daily bread, why can't we have him cut the grass too? You know, and maybe help me with my nails. You see, that's the attitude. It's the same. It's the same. Oh, my dear Lord, please feed me. Huh? Please give me, give me, give me, give me. So people who say they're talking with God, they're not asking the right things from God. It's like, as I said, you're going to Bill Gates and you're asking for pocket change. You see, Krishna has the ultimate uh, desirable um, thing, the ultimate desirable consciousness that he was, he'll be happy to give you. But he's not going to force it on you. You've got to have the advancement and the intelligence to ask him for it. My dear Lord, I want pure loving devotional service at your lotus feet. You see, I want to be captivated by that beautiful boyish face. I want to be captivated in this loving exchange. And I want to do for you. I want to do for you. You see? And when we start to want to do for someone, uh, we try to find out. It's, it's, it's flattering. And I've, I've used this example many times. Uh, it's flattering. It's just like if, uh, if you have a friend or a spouse or someone and they get you a gift for birthday, you know. But uh, it's something that you've wanted, but you haven't said anything about it. You haven't dropped any hints. It's just something you wanted because it would f- help your life better. Maybe it's a new iPad or, you know, I don't know, a special whatever that would help your daily routine very nicely if you had it, but you hadn't said anything. You just kind of considered it. <clears throat> and then... The, your birthday comes and you open your gift and it's ju- it's just exactly what you had been thinking about. And you look at that person and you say, how did you know? I mean, that's kind of a shocking moment. And you think, how did you know? This is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly what I needed. That's the most flattering for someone to get into your head, to study you, to be watching you without you knowing, studying you with such love that they they figure you out and they get you exactly what you need and what you want, and you didn't say a word. That's a loving exchange. Why can't we have that with the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Why are we asking for daily bread? Why don't we figure out, you see, it's just like sometimes a husband may ask the wife, what do you want for your birthday? And oftentimes the word is, the answer is typically, oh, nothing. We know that's really loaded, the answer. You know. 
Why does she say that? That's not the right answer. She doesn't want zero zip nada. It's a natural reflex. What she wants is, you should know. You should know. And I'm not going to tell you well, this or that, or, but you should know. You see, So sometimes we find ourselves saying to Krishna, my dear Lord, please, why don't you let me know what you uh, want me to do? You know, why don't you tell me what you want me to do? What service you want me to do? And we can feel Krishna thinking, you should know. If you, after, after all this time, after all this chanting, you should know. You should be thinking about me enough that you should know. And it shouldn't be something you have to search. Whoa, what, do I, what should I do? You know, you should know because this should be your meditation. How can I please Krishna? We start, we hear so much data, so much information about uh, Krishna and uh, this uh, Krishna consciousness uh, movement, this mission of Lord Chaitanya, you see. Uh, So we have the pieces of the puzzle. We can figure this out. We can figure out where we fit in here. We can figure out the nature of this game, you see. We really could and we really should. We should figure it out. See? We're a little distracted because we have the I, me, my thing going on, and that's what we're trying to give up. I'm trying to get, you know, less I, me, mine. You see? So, as I diminish the I, me, mine factor, then I can take on uh, Krishna factor, Prabhupada factor, the mission of this movement factor. You see, we can think more and more about what is it that we're actually trying to do? What's the function? What's the purpose of this International Society for Krishna Consciousness? Why did Prabhupada come to the uh, Western world? Why did Lord Chaitanya appear? You see, in the ninth canto, I think it's the 23rd chapter, Srila Prabhupada uh, he goes in, uh, into great detail on the, the appearance of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Yada yada hi dharmasya in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says whenever there's a decline in religiosity and an, an incline of irreligion, I myself appear, you see. And people wonder when I'm, when I'm talking about that, they wonder, well, where is he today? You know, we need him. This, the, the symptoms of this type of uh, uh, scene are all around us. When people are stealing like everything, the politicians are stealing. Uh, president Mubarak was, uh, uh, the president of Egypt was found to be as rich as Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. I don't think he had that kind of salary. He didn't have a product that he, you know, Bill Gates developed Microsoft. You know, Warren Buffett's been this big-time trader. You know, what did, what did Mubarak do? He was just president. How did he get $60 billion, with a B, dollars? Stealing. <laughs> Confiscating. Whatever you want to call it, you know. Let me see. So 
we can see right now the price of oil is being forced up because of the oil, the speculators. They're going to make a fortune, just like they did last time. Of course, then some foolish people, they, they blame George Bush. They say, oh, he's just doing it for his buddies, his oil buddies. I wonder if we're going to hear about it. People say that about this president. You see. Who's really doing this? It's the oil speculators. They're forcing the price up because they're going to make money. They do it. They're playing the market. They're always playing the market. We're always being played. Whether we say it's this guy's fault, that one's fault, this party's fault, this party's better than that one, that's all. No, there's no better. There's no better. You want a better party? Join uh, Mahaprabhu's party. Otherwise, you're just whatever. You can say east, west, north, south, conservative, liberal. Yeah, it's all the same thing. We can see it's happening again. It's happening again under a different rule. Which one works better? Neither one of them. They all like to steal from you. (laughs) So, uh, but what is the purpose of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement? Srila Prabhupada said that Krishna did appear in this millennium. He did appear in this age. 525 years ago, he came as Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he started this Krishna consciousness movement. So we're the the continuation of this, um, uh, this tidal wave of love of Godhead that Lord Chaitanya wants to, to uh, fill and inundate every town and village. Every town and village, you see. He wants it to spread around the world. So the first major thrust of Lord Chaitanya's movement was when Srila Prabhupada came to the Western world. You see. It was developing in India for so many years by so many great uh, saints and sages. But when Srila Prabhupada took it out of India, came to America, it spread like wildfire around the world, you see. So we need to uh, catch on to this mood. <clears throat> it's not that we stop uh, maintaining. We have to maintain what we've established. So many things must go on. Uh, that maintenance is there. But we also have to think... I need to tell as many people as I can about this Krishna consciousness in in some way, one way or another, if we can just get people to come, invite people, you see, as much as you can. Ask them, please come to the temple, come to the restaurant, come to the Sunday festival, you see. So, and as much as we can, invite people, get people to come in to hear, huh? That's the you know that's the beginning. That's the that the starting is to hear. First we hear. Once we hear, then the association of devotees becomes very important. Now because I have questions and I want uh, uh, actually I find many times people not not it's not so much that they have questions, but it's such a pleasurable thought they want to discuss it more. You see. 
It's not like a material thing. In the, in the material world, we hear something, and now that I've heard it, now, now what else you got? It's on to the next, the next thought, the next development. Krishna consciousness is so sweet that I want to hear it again. I want to talk about it again. So sometimes, many times, people like to ask questions. They already know the answer after the class. They already know the they just want to. They just want to experience it. Yeah. This is the, the potency of Krishna Kata. Krishna Kata is just uh, enjoyable. It's sweet. It's nectar. You see? So we want to expose as many people as possible to Krishna Kata. The best way to do that is book distribution. Distribute books. Get people to take a book. But uh, that in and of itself isn't just enough. We want them to take a book, read the book, and then associate with us and so that we can answer their questions and discuss the subject matter that they've read in the books and then take prasadam and engage in kirtan. So it's the same, it's the same recipe that Prabhupada gave us. Krishna kirtan, Krishna kata, Krishna prasadam. You see, that's all, it's, that's all we really need. We don't need to find anything new and different. Now, we can find different venues to deliver these things, but basically the recipe for us to spread this movement to every town and village is already there. It already exists, you see. So uh, when we wonder, what is it that Krishna wants? If we think, oh, wait a minute, I know what would please Krishna. Oh, boy, this whole puzzle just fit together. Now I see. It would please Krishna if I could help bring some souls into this uh, consciousness. Wouldn't it? It would please Krishna more than if I made made him a nice mango lassi. I could go get some really uh, great mangoes and uh, some really fresh homemade yogurt, make a nice mango lassi for Krishna. He would really enjoy that. But I think, really, from what I understand from the efforts of Srila Prabhupada and from the efforts of the previous acharyas and from the efforts of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I would think that Krishna really would be most pleased if I go out and see what I can do uh, to help spread this movement to help the fallen conditioned souls. When we become compassionate for Krishna, my dear Lord, I know what you want. You've, you've actually told me in your actions, in the actions of your pure devotees, uh, the actions of the pure devotees, we can see what they do. They have, the pure devotees have this uh, uh, high understanding of what Krishna wants. And so they're the acting in a certain way, and we can see what they're doing. Srila Prabhupada spent his life uh, to deliver this Krishna consciousness to the world, a lifetime of preparation, you see. So uh, it's very clear. It's very clear what Krishna wants. We can see that through the pure devotees who know what Krishna wants, you see. There's a, and that's the difference. When someone like Srila Prabhupada says, well, I talk to Krishna, and Krishna talks to me, that makes a lot more sense. We know. We can see that there is a very intimate connection. You know, it's just like, you know, I, I could say, well, you know, 
Well, I talk to President Obama on a daily basis. You know, I tell him what I want, you know. I could say like that. I don't, but I could, I could say. So, so sometimes uh, I, I, encounter, I, I encounter many people who feel that way. And then after hearing a little bit, they realize, well, perhaps my understanding of God is not mature. It hasn't, hasn't reached its fullest. You know, I'm thinking I'm in trigonometry class, but really I'm just learning 2 plus 2 is 4 when it comes to spiritual life. So many times, uh, after hearing about this loving, affectionate uh, relationship with Krishna, once they hear the description of Krishna Prem, they become attracted. And they start thinking, well, I was thinking, I was like way here, you know, in my realization of spiritual life. Now I'm realizing I'm just getting started. I've been doing this yoga thing, and, and I'm thinking this was the all in all, but now I realize... Well, I'm just scratching the surface because I really, I really am attracted to this personal relationship with God. Of course, I've got some things I have to do. I have to work on my false ego because false ego. If I if I have false ego, then it's going to be an impediment to my being intimate with God. False ego between a, uh, any couple. What well, a set of friends, husband, wife. False ego with one another is not going to work. It's going to, you know, there has to be some surrender. There has to be some looking out for the other party. See, Krishna's willing. <laughs> he's not only is he willing to look out for us and do our bidding, he's always been doing it for eternity. There never has been a time when he hasn't been fulfilling our desires. Everything comes from Krishna. Everything we get and everything we have ever gotten has been supplied by him. You know, anything nasty that we've received is because of our uh, uh, bad activities. You see, not because he he's trying to uh, punish us. We're caught up in this karma thing that that's this all of our our karma is of our manufacture. He's the supplier, but we're we're bringing it on us. So, but uh, our purpose in this <clears throat> international society for Krishna consciousness is to develop pure love of Godhead. You see, that's what we we put on the table. It's it's a product that you don't see anywhere else that I know of. I don't know any other sampradayas that are talking and preaching Krishna prem, pure love of Godhead. You see. Practically all the, uh, uh, or at least I wouldn't say all, uh, such a high percentage, almost all, of the worship in India is for punya. My dear Lord, here I am. I'm giving you fruits, and I'm giving you some of this, and I'm giving you some of that. Now don't forget me, you know, give me some good return, isn't it? No? We're, you know, so... uh, Srila Prabhupada came to this Western world uh, to to give us this the highest fruit of religious activities, Krishna Prem. You see, go beyond thinking of God as God. Go beyond that. Transcend the God concept. 
see him as just the most wonderful, lovable object and that you can't take your mind off of him for a second. Total, absolute love, you see. And enjoy that exchange of love. That's what Krishna wants. So, are there any questions or comments? Yes, Mother? All right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, in the beginning, uh, in the beginning, it's not possible anyway to hit the ground running and say, "Oh, I love you, Krishna." You know, it's it's not possible. It, it's actually helpful. Uh, for for us to have this on reverential um, relationship uh, feeling, you see, uh, because uh, it, it, it's like uh, like Gurudev said, if we didn't, then we came to to uh, Krishna consciousness and we get affectionate with Krishna. We don't see him as God. Then it's very easy to say, okay, you know, I got this list of things. Here's what you can do today, you know. Until we get a little bit, and it's a natural thing. Falling in love is a natural thing. You see, we can't drive it. You don't drive falling in love. You know, when you meet somebody and say, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to fall in love with you. Okay, let's see. The first thing I'm going to do is this, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do that, and then I'll probably by that such and such point in history or in the future, I'll, I'll be in love with you doesn't work that way it, it's a it, it just kind of develops you see and it keeps growing it keeps maturing love keeps maturing Yeah, I don't see that so much. There's, once in a while, there's someone who, who believes that uh, we're all God, you know, the all is one, uh, I am God. Uh, uh, I just kind of tell them that, well, that's, that's uh, you know, that's your concept, and I can see why you're hanging on to that because that's like a really big achievement. You know, so if you're God, then who do you love? You know, should I direct my worship toward you? You know, 
Well, no, I'm not saying that. So in other words, I guess you're saying that we, there's no need for anybody to worship anybody because we're all God. I am God, you are God, you see. And you can kind of, you can air that out in such a way that it, 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 it's, it's kind of like, it, it, it's not very tasteful once it's spoken in a certain way. There's the method that a lot of these folks have of, uh, and that's they they speak without saying anything. You know, uh, what they say doesn't make a lot of sense. It kind of makes it, you know, I am God, you are God, we're all one in the cosmos, and blah, 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 you know. I've, I've seen them, I don't know how many times, they try to impress me with what they know by saying a whole mouthful of adjectives and verbs and, and it doesn't really fit together. And you can ask them, where did you get that? What scripture did you get that from? It is from my realization, you know. And I'm thinking, okay. You know, why don't you get back to me when you kind of get it to where you can explain it? I like to tell them that, you know. When you get to where you can explain it, because you, obviously, sir, have had some epiphany that you can't share with me. You've broke on through to the other side somehow or other, and you can't tell me how to do that. In other words, I think probably what we're discovering is that you're really a special spiritual entity, far more special than the rest of us. You know? Oh. Because you've really done something here without scripture, without guru, you know, you know, no prompt, right? you, you know, you just reached out and grabbed God, you know, and became him. And, and you have, obviously have a higher knowledge that uh, I could probably never grasp. And, and that's okay, because I really like this, this boy, Krishna. He's just, he's su- superbly sweet and, you know, <laughs> and and I can understand a little bit about that, and I can explain a little bit of that to you. But so perhaps maybe you sh- you should just keep on keep on your course. That might be best for you. Show me something. Yeah, show me some godly stuff here. You know, promises, promises. Yes, Prabhu? Came to our temple and he wanted to lead a group 
And I have this god brother named Panchatattva who got that name because he has a fist like five men <laughs> stopped him and said, we do not chant this. And he says, what are you talking about? We chant this in all our temples. And he says, yes, but you should not chant this. Because the deities there were Gornitai. We were all young brahmacharis. And we had all been taught, you know, the mood is Lakshmi Narayan. And by the way, this is Gornitai. We're just book distributors, simple book distributors. Yeah. You know, this, this feeling, we don't even have this feeling. We don't even understand this feeling. And our spiritual master has said, you know, try and develop some, some mood of service before you climb straight to the top and jumping in the pool with Krishna himself, you know. And, uh, of course, he was very offended by this. And the and next time I saw him was actually in India hanging out over at Radhakund with these men dressed like women, Sahajas. <laughs> so uh, the lesson was learned. It took three years for me to understand this at that time. I'm still trying to understand it. But it took three years from the time I saw him until the time I went to India and saw him there hanging out with these Sahajas. And there he was, and I was with Bhaktivedanta Madhavaswamy. And I said, Maharaj, are those Sahajas? Because it's one of those things you always hear about but never see, you know? And Maharaj took his danda and pointed right at him. He says, those are the stinking Sahajas. <laughs> and, and I said, I, I, I don't want to be a stinking Sahaja, Maharaj. What do I do to keep from that from happening? He goes, first thing, don't roll around in the dirt, you know? As brahmacharis, we are clean, you know, he's making jokes, of course, but they're, they're all very poignant, you know. And, and the point was, awe and reverence, and then naturally, like you said, Prabhu, naturally love will come. Right. You know, if we try and develop this love without any love, <laughs> it, will, it will just be false, yeah. you know. Cheap, that's what it really is, it's cheap. Yeah, cheap, it's a, Thank it's you, a Prabhu. cheap imitation. You know, you know, which really takes us the opposite direction from where we want to go. Love, love is something you just can't. Uh, I mean, it, love develops. You know, it just. Uh, if you have to try to push it along, then you're on the wrong course. Yes, Prabhuji. I was listening online, and uh, I've been reading the. Um New trilogy of Bhakti Siddhanta by Baba, uh -huh. by His Holiness Bhakti Vikas Maharaj. It's uh -huh. 21 years of research on the life of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. Oh, man. And his original writings and his letters and newspaper articles and really a profound literature. But I just wanted something, I think it really hits home. I was reading here, and it's, um, it says, Shortly after disclosing Gayatri mantras to some disciples from within his room, Srila Bhakti Sananta Saraswati Thakur overheard them conferring about the meaning of the Kama Gayatri, discussing with Alkriti the possibility of throwing flowers on Krishna's body. When at that time Srimad Sridhar Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada's godbrother, Sridhar Maharaj, 
um, entered his Gurudev's room, he entered into Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati's room, Srila Saraswati Thakur looked up with a deeply disappointed expression and gravely remarked that it is most difficult to throw even a single flower on Krishna, meaning to actually see Krishna and throw a flower on him like we're looking at each other right now. Mm-hmm. So... Um, he looked up with great disappointment, saying that it's most difficult to throw a flower upon Krishna. Srimad Sridhar Maharaj deduced his Guru Maharaj's inner feelings. For crores of lives, I have been trying to cast a flower upon Krishna's body, yet I am still unable to do so. But new initiates are guiltily planning to throw flowers on Krishna. After devoting life after life, after untold trials, I am still unable to approach that point. But you greenhorns think that because you have now received the mantra, you have achieved everything. It is not such an easy thing, like a sweetmeat to be taken and swallowed. And then here's another small anecdote. It says, One day while Srila Bhakti Sananda Swarasthi was lecturing, the deity's arctic began, and some listeners who were listening to his lecture left to attend the arctic. He commented, They are simply going for eye exercises, thereby indicating that the Lord cannot truly be discerned by those who have not properly heard. And in Puri, he commented similarly to a disciple who, having gone for darshan of Lord Jagannath, arrived at the end of his lecture, Srila Bhakti Saraswati's lecture. He had gone for the deity darshan, and then he came late. Um, and it, it, he was speaking in one of the Gaudiya Mats there in Puri. He says, a lecture in which he had expounded the actual meaning of Lord Jagannath's darshan. So, he was actually lecturing on what real darshan is. And it says, here, this is his exact words. He says here, Even now you are very late. Even now you are wandering here and there, going to see Jagannath through these material eyes. If you do not first attain spiritual knowledge through the ears, then going to see Jagannath will simply be curiosity mixed with some personal sense gratification. I am not saying not to go to the temple to see Jagannath, but Jagannath will see. The presence of darshan by a person lacking an objective is no darshan at all. See Jagannath as the object of service, different from the world of personal enjoyment. When you go to see Jagannath, do not just see the material world, but attain spiritual knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It is. It's super powerful. Yeah. I haven't got that book yet, but I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. Bhakti Vikash Maharaj has very high realization. Yeah. But, you know, the, the pure devotee, the one who sees Krishna, who's achieved Krishna Prem, he doesn't think, all right, Hey, look at me. Look at me over here. I got Krishna Prem. He's not like that. The more uh, advanced the devotee becomes, the more he feels 
There's so much more for me to achieve. So I haven't achieved so much because he's seeing, he's, he's a, Krishna is unlimited. Love for Krishna is unlimited. And as we become advanced enough to see that, we can, we can see I'm, I'm really not anywhere. Although the rest of the world could look at that person and say, no, no, you've, you've, you're so advanced in your love of Godhead. You don't think of anything but Krishna. You're, you know, you're fully engaged. You know, Srila Prabhupada, he described himself as the most fallen, you know, most unfortunate. You see? Srila Bhaktisiddhanta there, he's saying, you know, I've, I've, I've lived cores of lives trying to throw a flower on Krishna. But we all know he walked with Krishna. You see? But he didn't see it as perfection. You know? Yeah, I've heard him say that. That's a good realization, you know. It's good for us sometimes <clears throat> to uh, to think like that, you know. I'm nothing, and I'm nobody. I have no position. Sometimes people want to know um, at some at some class they want to know who hey who are you and what are you all about? You know? And I say, well, first of all, I'm nobody. And secondly, I'm nothing. I, don't have, I have no position. I have nothing. I'm a, a wandering homeless person. <laughs> I have nothing. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That. That's that's a good point. In the beginning, we need uh, well, we always need that link, but it's a special one when he approaches the spiritual master. If we're uh, in proper consciousness, there's going to be an awe and reverence uh, by nature. When someone is opening, holding up the torchlight of knowledge, and we're 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 realizing how much that. we're gaining, there's going to be some awe and reverence. That awe and reverence uh, with the spiritual master uh, will help us in our, uh, well, the guru gives you Krishna, you see. But in the beginning, there's so much awe and reverence. It can, we can't help but feel that way. Yeah, yeah. At this point, for sure. Yeah. But at this point, for sure, they're still on reverence. Some. How much? I don't know how to measure, you know. You know, 10%, 20%, I don't know. But there, it's, it's certainly there. But we'll find ourselves being carried away with uh from time to time without thinking uh just a, a very intimate thoughts about krishna about his friendship and his love and of course we still see him as god and uh the time will come if we practice this bhakti yoga that we won't see him as god we'll just be in love you know 
Krishna Prem, we'll just be in love. And that'll go. But in the meantime, we, we have that. We still know he's God. We still know he's the supreme controller. We're still going to him for help. My dear Lord, you need, I need you to help, you know. Please hold my car together while I get across the desert. You know, I'm still, I'm still asking for daily bread and daily, daily, daily automobile repairs and, you know, so, and someday that, uh, hopefully I can advance to the point to where I just love Krishna. You know, but we have to, it, along, part of the process is to learn that we are fully dependent on Krishna. The gopis, know that they depend on Krishna for everything. They're fully dependent on Krishna. So Krishna wants us to know, to have that realization that we're fully dependent. We're his dependents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough for human beings. It's tough. All right, is that enough? Okay, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to C.C. Radha Kalachanji.
Oh, 